DJ PK and Dennis Dodd, National College Football Writer for CBS Sports. Join us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset, get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Dennis, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We are doing well this morning. We are doing well. Um, <laughs> we've been a little mystified by the Pac-12 race. Some expectations have been turned upside down. Injuries are impacting teams, certainly Cal. Now that you've seen a few games, can you handicap the conference? I went into last weekend really conflicted. I said, either this is the best conference in the country, because they had five ranked teams, or they're just going to do it again and, and, and beat each other up. And that's exactly what looks like is happening, to the point that our great our friend uh, John Wilner had that great stat that for the first time since 2009, uh, there'll be no undefeated teams going into October for the Pac-12. And so what that what that tells you is... What's already happened these last two years has only been one team that's lost less than three games. One team uh, each of the last two years. Now, Washington State last year, 11-2. and two, So I suspect that's going to happen again. And then I don't know what does that mean. What, you know, where, where's the Pac-12 uh, sit? How do people view that? Kim, they hang their hat on possibly, Dennis, being the most balanced conference out there. Oh, I think you can, but again, you're not in the playoff conversation. You're probably only getting one um, New Year's Six berth. Uh, you know, while the the discussion, as soon as the the oh the calendar hits November, it's all about Tuesday nights and seeing who's in the in the CFP. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it, it, it's just you know, I, I thought when Oregon lost to Auburn. On opening night, and I was at that game after dominating Auburn for mo- most of three quarters, and then they lose. I went, "Uh oh, this is not good." You know, they, especially after the way Oregon played, they had to win that game, and they didn't. How much do you buy that Washington can make a, a late run here? Chris Peterson's got a history think, of doing yeah, well in the conference. Yeah, I think Washington's probably. Yeah, I think Washington's probably got the best chance of going twelve and one or whatever whatever it would take to get in the playoff discussion. It looks like the cream has risen to the top there with with uh, with Chris Peterson and the Huskies. It, it, I heard bad things, not bad things, I just heard inconsistent things about Eason in camp, and it looks like he's taken over a little bit and really settled in. And they've got an identity now. They could always play defense. Um, so I, I think for the Pac-12 chances, I guess the best thing is to hope that they finish out. Yeah, I, I think that Washington right now, and I've been going back and forth, it's been week to week, but for a couple of weeks now I've had Washington as the best team in the conference. It remains to be seen. Yeah. So I would give them the best chance, but I want to touch on these other teams that are nationally ranked with only one loss, and you just referenced Oregon. If And the Utes are in this position. You know, they, they mm-hmm. have the loss. It's not exactly a horrendous loss. Not necessarily a great loss, but I don't know that that even exists. But you know, losing by seven to the to the Trojans in the Coliseum isn't the worst yeah. thing. And you got the Devils lost by three to Colorado. No, I don't think they're going to go uh, run the table. But if somebody else, or including Washington, if these other teams who have one loss, you are you automatically eliminating them going into October just because of the one loss? If they should get hot and find a way, which I don't think will happen anyway, but just hypothetically find a way to win the rest of their games? Yeah, like you said, like a team like, you know, Arizona State, I think we all agree is going to win the rest of their games. Right. Um, 
you know, Utah has been so banged up, and now it's a Zach Moss situation. What is the Zach Moss situation right now, by the way? Uh, well, they got the bye week coming up, and Kyle's okay. talking about him returning. Now, the first game after the bye is at Oregon State. You'd have to think that they would okay. be able to beat Oregon State. And then they come home and they got the Sun Devils. In a three-week stretch, they got the Sun Devils and Cal at home. And then the first week of uh, November, they go up to Seattle. Yeah, so okay, they got they got a legitimate shot to set up that Washington game as a yes. as an elimination game. So that's good for them. Right. Uh yeah, Oregon, I mean, I, I really like really like what they've done. I really like what Mario's done. They've got a shot, but you know, they've got an equal shot of everybody just knocking each other off and everybody's got two losses again. So yep. uh yeah, it's not uh, I'll say this on the on the hype meter. Uh, nationally, the Pac-12 is not a, not really a discussion point right now. So I look at the ACC, and it's you know Clemson, and then every everybody else, and and we do follow mm-hmm. Virginia a little bit because Bronco Mendenhall was here, but they they got beat pretty soundly at at Notre Dame, and then Clemson plays this one point game with North Carolina, only drops one spot. I'm looking right now, and I know there's still a lot of games to sort all this out, but I don't know how people are ranking Clemson. In front, and I get it's not the playoff committee; it's just the media, and I don't know. Maybe right. They're not paying attention, but there is no way right now I would pick Clemson against LSU or Ohio State. It'd be, you could drop them down to fifth or sixth right now, and I, I don't think I complain. I dropped them to sixth, and I said, "Look, because I start thinking about it like the committee does. Like, okay, let's take after five weeks, let's put everything in a bucket, shake it out, and see who's got the best." Well, I mean, you could make a damn good case and some have for Auburn uh, you know being number one they're the only team in the country that's beaten two ranked teams um, you know uh, I have Alabama number one just basically I think they've, they've got the most fun team to watch they've got the best offense in the country whatever but you know LSU has the best win they won a top 10 game on the road at Texas Georgia uh, beat Notre Dame um, who else am I missing in there? Uh, Ohio State. I saw Ohio State on Saturday night, and they're the best. They're the best team I've seen so far, and it may not even be close. They've got everything. They've got the quarterback, defense, speed, size. So you put Clemson in there, and you go look. Even if they weren't national champions last year, that's that team hasn't realized its potential yet. I think we all agree with that. You're still a little shy on Oklahoma because of the defense or the defensive tradition, anyway, and reputation. No, I like I, I do like Oklahoma, uh, and they have gotten better defensively, marginally better. But after everything I've just told you, where do you slot Oklahoma? When all those teams I just told you, four or five, they have better accomplishments to date than Oklahoma. I think they're really, really good, and Jalen Hurts is one of the best stories in the country. Yeah, um, but other teams have done more. So it just seems like the Pac-12 is taking hits, and I get that. But then I look at the ACC and think, you're underwhelmingly, uh, underwhelming me. And I look at uh, the Big 12, and if Texas loses to Oklahoma and slips up somewhere, and they're a three-loss team, Oklahoma could be a little short on glamour wins. I mean, you scheduled UCLA and then UCLA. Can, can you explain what's happened at UCLA? Chip Kelly was going to do better than this, wasn't he? I thought. I, I did, too. Uh, but, um, look, the, as wacky as it was, the Washington State win was huge for Chip and UCLA. 
nothing. I mean, nothing's going to happen after year two to Chip. Casey Wasserman is the guy who controls everything there, the media mogul. He built the football facility. He was key in getting Chip to go there. So Chip, Chip is not not going to get fired. But again, what is what has happened at UCLA? I I am of the of the increasing opinion that Jim Mora left it a lot worse than anybody thinks. Um, that's what I've been told. That it was really thin there when he got there. And again, they're not Chip's players, not Chip's offense. Takes time to get him there. He doesn't have a quarterback, I don't think. Um, you know, the Dorian Thompson, the kid there, um, doesn't look like a difference maker. I might be wrong, but um, you know, it, it's going to take a while. This SC situation continues to intrigue us because of the Urban Meyer connection, and we were around him for those two years. That was yeah. the biggest whirlwind two-year run we've ever had. I've been. I was I was intimately involved with that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you never. I've I've been in this business a long time and never been around somebody like Urban. Uh, so it just seems like it's inevitable as far as Helton being dismissed. Do you hear anything? Because. Urban has kind of floated it out there, but hasn't rejected it, but hasn't really embraced it fully. What do you think could happen there? Oh, I think he'll definitely be back. Uh, USC is the most likely place, but I definitely think he'll be back. Uh, he just he keeps having that he keeps having that qualifier. Like I believe I've done. I think I've yeah, done exactly. And then in a uh, in a it was last week I think or a week before last in a story in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, this long sit down, he says right in the middle of the story, well, you know, I, I missed the competition. I missed the players. Um, and that reporter said, does that mean you want to come back? And he said, not right now, but ask me in a year. Well, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> you're, you're running a restaurant. You're on TV. You're teaching. You're an associate athletic director. You just told us that, you know, the door may swing open in a year. So that, that, that was the most telling comment to me. These guys, you guys know this, these guys just can't stay away. Yeah. Um, you know, Mac Brown, Les Miles, there's tons of, you know, Greg Schiano is going to be back if, if Rutgers can lure him back. Um, they, these guys just can't stay away from coaching. And he's only 56. This is the prime of any head coach's career. So, yeah. So when he was at Utah, he had an out. He could drop everything and go at the drop of a hat to go to Michigan, Ohio State, or Notre Dame. Now, it's a little tough given the rivalry, and he did just have a quote about not replacing Harbaugh. It's tough to go to Michigan. But Notre Dame, for a guy who's 56, and I get if you're a 17-year-old recruit now, Notre Dame, you know, you may not think Notre Dame's all that. But if you're Urban Meyer and you're 56, you do think Notre Dame is all that. They've just been down for a little while. Yeah. Do you think well, – how, how long does Brian Kelly have left there? Because obviously he's winning a lot, but obviously he's been there a long time, and that, that job wears on people after a while. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him leaving. I mean, I think, look, he, his current, he got extended his current contract. If he fulfills it, he'll be the second longest tenured coach there next to Newt Rockney. And if he leaves to go anywhere, it would be the NFL. Now, he might do it. It might, you know, it might just come after this year, but I think, I think he's happy. I mean, I think, you know, they're knocking at the door playoff-wise. It looks like they're going to be competitive again this year. So it's not like they're trying to run him out. I, I think the fact that he's gotten him to the BCS championship game in the playoff twice in seven years says something for an independent, even like Notre Dame. That's a pretty big accomplishment. So I, But, yeah, if it came open, I, I think, you know, I think Urban would walk there on hands and knees. 
This whole thing with the California and getting uh, profits for the players, uh, the student athletes off their images and all that stuff is intriguing. But I want to boil it down to what you think it means for the average fan because the average fan wants his or her team to win. And they really don't right. care about any, any other stuff. So what does it mean for the actual balance of power with the schools being able to win, aside from a player getting money? Uh, nothing. Um, however this shakes out, Alabama's going to get better players than Vanderbilt. Right. You know, no matter, because, you know, let's face it, Alabama has more marketable players than Vanderbilt, you know, if they end up getting paid for commercials or whatever. Here, here, here's the answer to your question. You hit, this is the central issue of this whole thing. How much, and they, players make a lot now. I'm telling you right now, they, they get a lot of benefits and they make a lot. NCA sanctioned. I had a long snapper at LSU tell me that he makes, makes guys $12,000 a year. He's putting money away for after he graduates. And this is all benefits from the NCAA, cost of attendance, what have you. Okay, how big is that number to the point where it's going to turn off the average fan and they don't, you know, take out a second mortgage to get season tickets or tailgate for the next 20 years? I think that's one hell of a big number. So I don't, I, I don't think the average fan, like you said, really cares about it. Just give me some ball. We just want to win. Yeah. Dennis Dodd, National College football writer for CBS Sports, joining us here. You know, there's a, there's a thought that um, a booster could funnel money to players and pay them a ton and change the balance of power. But I would say that's what happened at Oregon and Oklahoma State. A booster took a program that really hadn't been much for a long time and turned them, if not into national champions, at least into pretty competitive in the conference. So is it going to be any different than what we saw happen with Tebow Pickens and with Nike money? No, no, it wouldn't. Uh, First of all, you said change the balance of power. It wouldn't change the balance of power because of what I just said. Alabama would have 10 marketable players. Vanderbilt would have none. So there's nothing in cost of attendance that's, going to make uh, Kansas a national power overnight. It's still going to take coaching and everything else. So, yeah, there, look, there's a way to regulate it. Um, you know, and, and, yeah, let's say the local car dealer pays some guy $50,000 to do a commercial. Well, guys, let's face it, at least it would be above board. Yeah. yeah. That money, there's, there's a shadow economy in uh, a certain conference down south <laughs> where six-figure payments for players are the norm and everybody knows it so at least this way you'd have it above board and in that sense it would be regulated somewhat yeah it's like gambling if you make it legal then right. it can be regulated right. right and that's what's happening with a state-by-state right you know single game gambling yeah dennis we appreciate a few minutes thanks for coming on and talking a little college football with us all right you got it thanks guys